Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. We are in our Stride series, where we talk about finding the pace of grace God has set for our lives. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. We are going to jump right in. We've been in a series called Stride. Everybody say Stride. Now, in this series last week, we talked around this idea of, of striding versus striving. Everybody, everybody say striving. Now, this word striving, what we're speaking to is this idea of trying to do it on our own. This idea of running, of being busy, of doing more. And I wanted to read this definition for you. The word striving, it means to exert oneself vigorously, to try hard. You know, I think that, that sounds a lot of our, like our lives. Like there are a lot of areas that as we look at it, that maybe we're striving we're, we're, we're reaching for promotion. We're reaching for, for something. We're packing our schedules full. And a lot of us are running and we're going through life striving for different things. And we presented this idea that maybe God has a pace for grace, that maybe there's a different pace, that maybe there's, there's something that he wants to work on the inside of us that'll truly begin to get planted in our souls. And it's this idea of stride. And I want to read the definition. Stride means to walk with long, decisive steps in a specific direction. You see, I think this year God wants us to strive. He wants us to walk into our purpose, to walk into the blessings that he has for us. Because the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. Yes, sir. So if our steps are ordered, why do we spend so much time trying to, to run in front and do more and be more if God truly has a plan for us? And this isn't some random idea that we just made up. Like, as you look at the Bible, if you really look at it, Bishop Kanye said it, Jesus walks. <laughs> like, when you look at the scripture, Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy ever written about him. Every prophecy in three years. And he never ran to his next appointment. You never see Jesus running. It says, and then Jesus walked to Jerusalem. Then Jesus walked to Capernaum. Then Jesus walked to Galilee. Jesus walked. It's as if he understood that if he walked in the pace of grace, he could still reach purpose. And I believe that God wants to do something in our hearts to show us that, hey, there's a different pace. And it doesn't have to cost you your family. It doesn't have to cost you your integrity. It doesn't have to cost you your character. I have ordered your steps. And last week we came to this, this final point that, that running is overrated. And some of you are like, hallelujah, come on, some favor. No, listen, it's not that same. Like if you don't do something, you're going to be the same as you are right now. So, uh, but, but when I say running, I mean striving, trying to do it in your own power. And, and this week, I'm excited because this week we're going to address some roots. Everybody say roots. roots. Now, when I say roots, what I mean is is if we truly want this idea of walking, uh, of meaning finding this pace that God has for us, of, of slowing down, there are some things we're going to have to dig out. Because we naturally want to run. We naturally want to do it ourselves. We naturally want to strive. But if this is going to get planted deep into our souls, God's going to have to cultivate and get some things out of us that maybe aren't so pretty, that maybe aren't so comfortable. And it's not going to be fun, but it's going to be worth it. Because it, when you work through those things and you get those out, then when God plants something in your heart, it will flourish. 
So today we're addressing some roots of running and uh, we're going to jump right in. So turn with me to Genesis chapter three, verse number one, Genesis three, number one. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, no worries. We'll have it on the screen for you. But uh, I I love Genesis because we get a picture of God's plan A. Like we get we get two and a half chapters, like three chapters of God saying, this is how I really meant for it to be. Of course, humans, we jack it up. You kind of know the story. And uh, that's how we get where we are now. But we're going to read in Genesis today of a story of Adam and Eve. And and it's uh, really the, the fall of man, if you've ever heard of that. So Genesis chapter three, verse one says this. The serpent was the shrewdest or most subtle of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say to you, you must not eat the fruit from any trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the trees from the, in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. You, God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse number four, the serpent says, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful, and the fruit, oh my goodness, it was so delicious. Come on, you read the Bible having some fun. Some of you are like, and the fruit there was so delicious. It's like, this is fun. These are real stories. The fruit was delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some fruit and ate it, gave it to her husband who was there with her. At that moment, their eyes were open and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Verse number eight, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden and they hid among the trees. Then the Lord God said to them, where are you? It's funny because God knew exactly where they are. Like, and if you are ever somewhere and God says, where are you? He knows where you are. Spoiler alert. Like he knows everything. So he he says, where are you at? And then uh, right here it says, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Verse number 11. This is going to be our key scripture. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Watch, watch what Adam does. He says, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me. Like, Adam's like, listen here, God. I didn't even ask for this woman. You took my rib, gave me this thing, and now she done tricked me. Like, it's her fault. So, said, the woman you gave me, and that is why I ate it. Then the Lord God turned to the woman. She said, it was the serpent, actually, that deceived me, so that's why I ate it. Verse 14, so then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, grovel in the dust as long as you will live. I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, is why am I running? Why am I running? Let's take a moment to pray real quick. Lord God, I thank you for how good you are. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, your grace that, that, that allows us to be in moments like this. Lord, I pray as we gather around your word that this would not be just another talk, just another church service, but that your Holy Spirit would enter in and, and really do work on our hearts. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, that we can truly find your pace of grace. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. 
I, uh, I want to pose to you today a question, and it's a question that God asked Adam and Eve. And in the story, as we look at it, God says, hey, where are you at? I'm looking for you. We usually walk together in the garden. And Adam says, I hid from you because I was afraid. I, I, I was naked. And in verse 11, God asks a, a very specific question. He says, pause, who told you that? Like, who told you that you were naked? And if you look at the scripture, I just picture it. God's like, wait, wait, wait a second. Okay, so where, where, like who to, what voice told you that? Where, where did that idea come from? Because it wasn't me. And the question I want to pose to you today is this. Who told you to run? Me, meaning, who told you that busy was better? Like, who told you that activity equaled effectiveness? Who told you that the more you did, the more important you were? And, and why are we running? Like, why are we so caught up in this rat race of life of trying to do more, be more, fill our schedules, pack it together? Like, like who told us that? And, and, and where did that idea come from? Now, again, I, I want to clarify, when I talk about running, I'm talking about striving, that idea of trying hard, exerting oneself, of trying to do it on our own. And, and I want to help you with, with how to figure out if you're running or not. So, so here's some ideas. If, if you are tired and you feel like you just can't carry much longer or you can't carry much more, you could be running. Because Jesus said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So, so if that's the truth and we don't feel that way, we could probably be running. If you feel like, man, I've done so much, but there just has to be more to life. I feel like I just had, there's something missing. I feel like there has to be more. You could be running. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. If, if you made any plans and didn't consult with God, you're probably running to sustain those plans. Because God said, I know the plans I have for you. And the steps of a righteous man are ordered. So and it talks about in the Bible too that we walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because we can see a lot of things. And you will run to those things and try to do those things. But God says, I have ordered your steps. And if you get outside of my pace of grace, you have to sustain it by yourself. So that's why you have a lot of people in life juggling all these things. And God says, man, I... That's great you're doing that, but that's not what I called you to do. That's great you started that business. That's great you did this. That's great you moved here, but that's not what I told you to do. And we have outran God's pace, the pace of grace. And, and I want to ask why. And, and really, that first question, who told us? Like, who told us to run? And as I thought about it, you, you want to know the answer to that question, who told you to run? Everyone. Everyone since you were a kid has told you to run. You know, you, like, look, look at this. Let's say we have a little kid, and this little kid's name is Billy. Uh, Billy is my go-to name. It's either Billy or Jamal. You can ask my wife. Anytime I'm making up stories, it's Billy or Jamal. So Billy is three years old. Billy's in his room. He's playing with his toys in his trucks, and, and Billy's parents have some friends over. And they walk in, they're like, oh, where's Billy? Let's go see Billy. And they go in there and he's playing in his room and they lean down. They're like, oh, Billy, you're so 
got snot all over your face. It's disgusting. Uh, but Billy, Bill, Billy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, that seems like a very innocent question. But what we're telling Billy is that I know you're three years old and I know you're trying to learn your ABCs and I know you're trying not to pee on yourself right now, but you better hurry up and figure out what you want to do with your life because there's not enough time and life is going to pass you by, Billy, if you don't hurry up and stop messing with these blocks and make a career choice. Like... So Billy is like, oh my gosh, I'm three. I just peed on myself and I got to figure out what I want to do with my life. So Billy starts running. And what we've done is we've started raising runners. We have raised our kids to run. We told them, you got to figure it out. Billy's in middle school. And they're like, what do you want to be? And what do you want? What do you want to go to college, Billy? And he's like, what in the college? Like, I'm trying to pass geometry. He gets to high school. And so he's picking up his speed because he feels a little pressure that he's not where he's supposed to be. And he gets to high school. And they're like, Billy, you've been thinking about it since you were three. What do you want to do with your life? Where are you going to college? It's like, I don't know. I'm trying to get a girlfriend. Like, you know, Billy's just, he's trying to catch up. And what we're doing is we're telling Billy that where you are isn't okay. You better hurry up and figure out what's next. That's why you have so many people who are incontent because their whole life people told them, you better be thinking about that up there and we've missed all of this right here. Wow. Now, Billy is in college, had, does have no idea what he wants to do. He's paying thousands of dollars to go to school to figure out a job that he doesn't really know because he made a decision when he was three of what he was going to do with his life. And they're asking, hey, Billy, when are you going to get married? Like, why aren't you married? I know you're in college. Some of you, you're in college right now. Or you just graduated. When are you going to get married? Are you getting married? Are you getting married? You're like, geez, leave me alone. And then you get married. Then people start asking you questions like they asked me and my wife. When, when are y'all going to have kids? When are you having kids? When are you having kids? Hey, you going to have kids? Hey, man, you got any kids yet? <laughs> you want me to tell you when we're going to have kids? I'm going to pause, right? I, when we have kids, my wife's belly will be about this big. That's how you will know that we are having kids. <laughs> Other than that, don't ask me anymore when we're having kids. You will know in your knower when you see, oh, wow, Abby's got a big belly. Like, he must be a kid in there. That's, that's, that's when we're having kids. But, but what we have done is we have raised runners, and now we have adults and grown people who are running through life. And as you get older, you start to say funny things like this. You start to say, man, time really just flies. Has anybody ever said that before? Man, time just flies by. You know, the older you get, time just goes. And I've said that. We've all said that. But that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my... Time doesn't fly. When's the last time a minute lasted 30 seconds? Is that a minute is always 60 seconds. And time doesn't fly. It actually has always been the same. But we are running so fast. And there's so many things that just seem like a blur. And we think, man, I'm just running through life. And I'm going. And times just seem to be speeding up. It's not. We're running. We're striving. We're trying to do it by ourselves. And right now, I want to talk about why. Like, why are we running? And as I, as I thought about this idea, you know, one reason I think that we run we run because we think running looks better. Like, you, you know, like in the movies when they have the slow-mo run, like in the, you know, it's slow motion and you're going, it's like, and they're about to do, yeah, I think, is there, wait, I think there's, yes, oh, yes, and it's a slow-mo 
and this is our life, right? We're just go, I'm running and I look so good. My wind's blowing in the hair. I'm, my wind's blowing in the hair. My hair's blowing in the wind. We're running, I can't even talk right. I don't know what's going And we're going slow motion. And this is what we think we look like when we're running, right here. This is like, we're just, life is beautiful and my tongue's hanging out and I'm running for this job and I'm providing for my family and I'm going and I'm doing it. It is just amazing. Can I tell you what you actually look like when you're running? This is what you look like when you're running, right here. That's what you look like. That's what we all look like right now, running. Don't I look so good? He is about to lose his mind. He is deranged. Like this is what we look like. And we're, we're running through life and we're striving, trying to hold it together. And the thing is, when you see someone running, you think, man, they're really going somewhere. They're really doing something. You see someone like, wow, they're fast. That's so good. And, and they're really going somewhere. I want to stop and ask, at what cost? Like, what does running cost you? What does your great job cost you? What has the, the, the new promotion or, or moving to this place or your busy schedule, what has that cost you? And I think there are some things that if we were honest with ourselves, we would slow down and realize that maybe God didn't call us to that. But we have gotten so busy that we've just outran God. And we're just running through life and running through life. And, and as I think about it, the real reason that a lot of us run it's maybe not even because we think it looks good. It's not because we want to. I want you to write this down. The, the real reason we run, running is our cover-up. It's a cover-up. Look, look, look at Genesis 3, verse 7. At the moment their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. You know what running is? It's the fig leaf that covers up all the areas you're insecure about. It, it, it's the thing that if you run fast enough, maybe they won't notice. Like if, if I have hurt and pain in my leg or I got shot in the leg or I cut my knee open and I'm limping, when I'm walking, it's very obvious. Oh, wow, that got, something must have happened to his leg. So, I don't know what's going on. But if I start to pick up, and I go a little bit faster, you think, he runs kind of weird, but you just think he's skipping. And I'm just skipping through life and everything's okay. The actual issue is you're hemorrhaging at the leg. And a lot of us are running to hide insecurities. And so people look at you and they think, oh man, you look good. Like you, you work hard, you got six jobs. That's so amazing. You're like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. But you want to know the truth? The truth is, Growing up, maybe you didn't have everything, everything you always wanted. Maybe, maybe there was a Christmas where you really wanted this present and your parents said, hey, we just, we just don't have the money. And you made a promise to yourself that that will never happen to my kids. So you've went into debt, buying them Christmas presents, you've got the perfect job and you're running through life, but it's really covering an insecurity that you have from when you were a child. Some of you ladies, you people are like, oh man, girl, you look so good. You always got your stuff done. I see you traveling a lot. You're just doing so much, girl. Ooh, you look so good. But the truth is the reason you, you go through all that energy to, to put on this pretty thing 
It's because someone spoke into your life that you weren't pretty when you were a child. Someone told you that you weren't good enough. So now you think if I could just put out this good image, if I can just, just make myself look like I'm put together, then maybe people won't see what's actually going on. Some of us are running, we've been running for so long that we think, gosh, if I slow down, other people will see my pain. Even worse than that, I may have to deal with it. So I'm just going to keep pushing through. And that's why you have so many people who, after years and years of running, they get tired and they look for a release and they make horrible decisions because they think, I can't keep running like this. I want to ask why. Why are we running? Why do we feel like this busyness is better? And the truth is, as, as I was going through this message, I really, this message, it really time, anytime I get up here or even I know this is true for Pastor Mike, these messages are more so than, uh, for us than it really is. For, like we're, I'm up here preaching to myself. And as I'm writing this message, God is checking me in my heart. That's why the name of the message is, why am I running? Because God was just like, why are, why are you running? No, I'm not, you know, God, I just, I want to push the kingdom forward. I want to no, like, why are you running? So we're, we're going to play a little game real quick. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say, I'm Charles and I run. And you're going to say, why do you run? All right, let's test it out. I'm Charles and I run. Why do you run? Man, you sound and look good. That's so nice. All right, here we go. I'm Charles and I run. Why do you run? I run because I want everyone to know that I'm enough. I'm Charles and I run. I run because I really want to make my dad proud. I, I, I run because people didn't clap when I walked in a room, but they cheered when I ran touchdowns. Like, like you'll get this one. I run because one time the clock ran out and I missed both the free throws and I blew it. But I want you to know that I, I can make them this time. I run because I learned what got applause. So I just kept doing that. Because people didn't clap when I just walked in or people didn't clap when I just did something. So if I run, if I do more, if I put myself out there, then people will clap. So that's why I'm just gonna keep on running. And I'm afraid if I slow down, you may actually see how hurt I am. You may actually see that I really don't know everything. I really don't have it all together, that I'm pretty broken and I have some pain. I'm, there's some stuff I'm working through. But if I just run fast and long enough, you won't be able to tell. And the question I want to ask you today is, why are you running? What is it that you're trying to cover up? What pain is there? What hurt is there? What insecurity? Why, why are we so caught up with this idea of running? Now, some of you, as we've been even last week and, and in today, some of you say, you know what, Charles? I, I'm sorry about the stuff with your dad. I really am. That's bad. But uh, I'm not running. Like, I am not running. I don't strive. I don't do that. I'm not striving. That's not me. I, I'll, okay. You may not be striving. But can I tell you, some of you have been standing for years. <laughs> you've, you've been standing. Fear has paralyzed you. Because one time, maybe you tried to run. You tried to step out. You tried to do it. You tried to follow God, and it didn't work out. So you said, you know what? I'm just not going to do that anymore. It's not worth it. But can I tell you today that fear will no longer have its place in our life. Insecurity will have no more place in our life. 
because we are going to find the pace of grace. So how? How are we going to stride? How are we going to find God's pace daily? I want to talk about how to stride daily. Everybody say daily. I put that part daily in there because these are things that we're going to talk about that we literally are going to have to wake up and do every single day because our reaction is going to be to take off running. We're going to see something, see a new job, see anything, an opportunity, and we're going to try to take off to it. Some of you last week, we talked about finding the pace of grace and you tried to run into walking, which doesn't really make any sense. So we have to do these things daily. So the first point in how to stride daily is uncover and repent. Uncover and repent. The reason that we run is there's a lot of things in our life that we're trying to hide. A lot of things that we maybe feel a little insecure about. And if we're going to truly find God's pace, we got to uncover those things. We got to come to God and say, hey, this, this is what's really going on. This is the pain that I feel. This is the hurt that I'm carrying. This is why I've been running my whole life. Some of you have been running to to prove someone wrong that's really not even around anymore. And you've been protecting this. But if you truly want to experience the pace of grace, you've got to uncover those things and come before God and say, God, I'm sorry. That's the part that says repent. God, God, I'm sorry. Because what running is, it's truly not trusting God. It's saying, God, I know you, you breathe the stars and you created everything, but in this one area, I've got it. So I'm going to run. I'm going to strive. I'm going to do it myself. We've got to uncover those things and we have to repent. Saying, God, I'm sorry. And I truly want to walk into your pace. And as you uncover those things, there are some things in there that you might have to do. And, th- and this is so personal for me because literally as I was writing this message and I asked that question, who told you to run? people started coming to mind. And I started getting frustrated because I thought, well, well, you told me to run. Like you, you said I was good if I ran. And I literally, I, had, I literally called my dad and I was half mad, but didn't understand because why? Because I felt like I've been running my whole life trying to be like my dad or be making proud of me or feel all this stuff. And I had put all this pressure on that really he didn't even put on. That I just assumed like, well, I want to make you proud. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this on. I'm going to do this. And some of you, there are some people in your life that you need to forgive. There are some people that you've been running for. There are some people that you've been trying to prove wrong because of what they said. And you need to forgive them. Some of you, as you uncover it, you're going to need to just own it. Like Adam and Eve, they said, well, you know, it was the woman you gave me and then it was the snake. Some of us just need to uncover and say, God, I did this. Like it wasn't anybody else's fault. It wasn't because something happened. It was just, I, I didn't trust you. And so I took it into my own hands and God, I'm sorry and I repent. So we have to uncover and then repent. And then the second point that I want to talk about is commit to walk. Everybody say commit to walk. Now, this word commit, I'm going to talk about some subpoints under this commit to walk, but this word commit, a lot of times we think of it as just like to do an action. So you, you commit a crime, you commit a sin, but this word commit, it really means to obligate oneself to, to bind to. When I, when I say the word commit, what I mean is there's no other option. Like, it's not like I'm going to half kind of, oh, I'm going to commit to walk because I'm really tired. No, I'm going to commit to walk because it's what God has called us to do. Like, there, there is no other option. 
So the first, first part under this commit to walk is, I want you to write this down, commit to walk with others. Commit to walk with others. The interesting thing about the story of Adam and Eve is I ask myself sometimes in the story, where was Adam when all this was going down? Like he is like MIA when the serpent is talking to Eve. And it's funny, sometimes growing up, guys would say, you know, it's Eve's fault that we are uh, in sin now. You know, she ate the apple. So if she wouldn't have ate the apple, you know, if, if, if you read the Bible, God never told Eve that she couldn't eat the apple. He told Adam. He told Adam. And then it was Adam's responsibility. I got an amen over there. She goes, well, you better preach it, boy. <laughs> but, but what my point is, is we don't do well on our own. When we get separated, when we get away from others, we don't make good decisions. You can look at any of our lives and say, when you're by yourself, when you're alone in your thoughts, you don't make the best decision. And if you're going to find a pace of grace, you need people. Some of us are waiting on a miracle from God. And he said, I'm just waiting for you to get over yourself and admit that you need some help. I got an example. Uh, Parker and Adrian, come up here real quick. These are two of my little best friends in the world. Y'all are slow, man. Come on. Y'all are so slow. He's striding. Oh, my gosh. Get out of here. <laughs> That's good, though. I guess you find a pace. Uh, so this is Adrian, and uh, it's actually kind of sad and amazing at the same time. Adrian literally, uh, like a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, we had started getting coffee together and really just being intentional about walking. And I literally told him, I said, you are like actually the first real like best friend that I've actually ever had in my life. I, I was 23 years old. And the reason was I was running. So I was too scared to show people what was actually going on. And Parker, Parker is crazy. Um, you can tell by this creepy mustache he's got. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. But Parker, literally, some of you know that me and my wife just actually merged a church with, uh, called Eden with Transformation Church. And Parker, literally, the second time I met Parker, literally, like ever in my life, like the first time I was like, hey, man, we went to dinner, never saw him again. He was living in New York City. We go to New York City, we're hanging out, and literally we sit down and I say, hey, man, we're starting this church in Tulsa. Would you like to move from New York to Tulsa? And he said, yeah, I will totally do that. So he is actually crazy. Um, but, but these are my boys. Like, and we've committed to walk together no matter what. Like, like regardless of, of if we get frustrated at each other, regardless of if we're doing the right thing all the time. Like, we've, like there have literally been times I said to Parker, I want to hit you in your face. Like, but, but we've committed to walk together. And here's what a lot of us do. A lot of us are out here and we're running because everyone told us that it was better to be out front and you get a trophy if you're in the front and you look back and you like, yeah, I'm winning. Ha ha, I'm winning. But what happens is when you get tired, you don't have anybody to talk to. When you start running for a long time, you start thinking, man, I'm tired out here. Like, whoo, gosh, I'm, I, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I, and you look back and you think, well, they don't look tired. So I guess something's just wrong with me. And so I'm having a good day. So I'm good. But then a bad day, I feel like I want to give up and I want to do this or I want to sleep with that person. I want to drink that alcohol. And, 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 and you start running and you have no one to bounce ideas off of or no one to keep you accountable. But the Bible says that when you walk with other people, there's power in that. Can I tell you, when you walk with other people, they can help you keep your pace. 
They can keep you in check. The Bible says when you walk with other people, they can help you. And so watch, when I, when I try to take off running, they said, no, we're walking. When I want to slow down, I'm like, dog, I don't want to do this no more. I can't do it. Like, boy, you better come on. Like, people will help you keep your pace. When they fall, so listen to this. Some of you, some of you, you got people in your life and you need people in your life that when you fall, they'll just drag you because they said, boy, we are not staying back there. Like, some of you, you are one community away from your purpose. You're one relationship away from your purpose. You need people. Thank you so much. Y'all look so good. I love y'all. Commit to walk with others. The second part, commit to walk with God. Walk with God. Something Adam and Eve did in the garden is they walked with God. And it's funny, if you look at the story, Adam and Eve were always naked. Like they were, well, I want to say born naked, but it's like, were they ever born technically? I, I thought, did Adam have a belly button? I don't know. You think about it, you don't know. Anyways, uh, so, but, but they were always naked. Like the thing about the story, why God asked them who told you that is because they were always naked. Because when they walked with God, insecurities and things that we would normally be insecure about, they weren't there because their eyes were so fixed on the goodness of God. Their eyes were so fixed on their creator. Can I tell you, if you would commit to walk with others and then walk with God, the insecurity, the hurt, the pain, everything that has held you back would begin to fall away because your eyes are so fixed on Jesus. Look at the story in the, Bible, in the Bible of Peter. God said, hey, I want you to get out and walk on the water. How long did Peter walk on the water? As long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you want to find the pace of grace, you need people and you need to walk with God. Commit to the journey of following Jesus. It's not this magical place that you just end up somewhere, but if you will just stay in it, if you will just walk long enough, you will win if you just don't quit. It's not about being the best and you got to have it all together. If you just say, you know what? I may not be the best, but I'll just keep walking. I promise you, you will work into purpose. You will walk into blessing. You will walk into everything God has for you. You got to commit to walk with others. You got to commit to walk with God. And the last part is commit to walk in victory. Walk in victory. At the end of our story, I read, I read two verses, verses 14 and 15. It says, then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. I, I, I picture this part of the story like this. God's standing there. He's asked Adam and Eve, where are you? They said, we hid. Who told you that you were naked? Okay, she maybe eats an apple. Okay, so God's talking in this part. And it, it, what he's talking to you, you've got Adam and Eve and the serpent. Now the serpent is the devil, it's the enemy. And what he says is there's gonna be hostility. I'm gonna cause hostility between your offspring and her offspring. Now the offspring of Eve, if you believe the Bible, is everybody, is the world. We, we, God made Adam and Eve, and then that's where we came from. 
So God's talking, and what he's saying here is Eve and the enemy, there's going to be some hostility there. And he uses a specific word. He says, he will strike your heel. Now that word strike, it means to crush, to strike, or to erase or to cover up. And he said, I'm going to strike your heel. Now that word heel, what it means, it talked about when armies would walk, their boot prints would make a, 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 a mark in the snow or in the sand or wherever they were walking. What is he saying? The enemy's going to strike your heel or he affects your footsteps. The enemy may mess with your pace. He may try to get you off step. He may try to cover up the steps that God has walked in front of you. The enemy will mess with how you walk. But the thing about a heel, the he if you hurt your heel, it's okay. You want to know the only way to kill a snake or some, something that can cause real damage to somebody? When you hit their head. It says, he may strike your heel, but he will crush your head. Now, when I first read this, I thought, okay, so we're the offspring of Eve and, and God is talking about us. But if you read your Bible and you know a little something about reading your Bible, that he is capitalized. And if the he is capitalized, get this, moments after we ruined the plan for humanity, like moments after God, after God said, don't eat that, we ate it. You know what God said? I'm going to send a capitalized he. I'm going to send Jesus who will crush the enemy's head. So the enemy may mess with your footsteps. He may try to get you off pace. But God says you can have peace and you can walk in victory because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if you look in the gospel of Luke, this is, oh my gosh, I'm so excited right now. If you look in the gospel of Luke, Luke 10, 19, Jesus has just sent a bunch of disciples out and they come back and they're saying, Jesus, uh, demons are listening to us. We're healing people. All this amazing stuff is happening. And this is Jesus' response. He says, look, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy and you can walk. You, you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Come on. Can I tell you, if you will just walk, God will direct your steps. And in directing your steps, you will crush the enemy. You will crush the insecurity. You will crush the fear. If you will find God's pace of grace, every single one of your steps will be ordered. You, you won't have to worry and sustain things by yourself. You won't have to feel like all this pressure of life is on you because God's already been there. Amen. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Even in this moment, as I was thinking about preaching today, I was nervous. And every single time before I preach, I think I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> but, but even before that, you know, I said, God, I haven't been there, but you've already been there. Yes, sir. Like you've already been in this moment. So I, I can walk in peace. I can know that I can walk at a pace that is sustainable and still reach my purpose. Yes, can I tell you that God has already ordered your steps, yes, but you're not going to run into it. You're not going to fill your schedule. You're not going to become it by just doing more and being more. And I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to prove them wrong. You're going to find it when you uncover those insecurities. When you truly repent, say, God, I, I'm sorry I didn't trust you. I'm sorry I did it on my own but I'm going to commit to walk. I'm going to walk with these people. I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to walk in victory, realizing that literally we, we have the end of the story. 
Like we know the end of it. We know how this turns out. And so in that, it brings a confidence. It brings something that you can face something. You say, you know what? It's already because my God has already overcome that situation. So I don't have to run. I don't have to hurry up. I don't have to do more. I can walk and stay in my stride. But it all hinges on understanding that why and dealing with the why are you running? Because if you don't address that, when something comes up, when, when something happens, you'll take off again. And it'll be another year. And it'll be standing at the, at the beginning of another year and you'll think, man, I'm still tired. And I still don't really know my kids. And this marriage is still on the rocks. And time just still seems to be flying by. But God says, I, I have a plan and a purpose for you. I, I've ordered your steps. And if you would just trust me, he says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Following Jesus doesn't have to wear you out. Walking in purpose doesn't have to cost you everything. It'll cost you giving up your pride. It'll cost you trying to do it on your own. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the full. A life, some translation says, a life you could only dream of. But it starts with walking in long, decisive steps in a specific direction. And the thing about walking, when you're walking, it's easier to hear. You ever try to talk to somebody when they're running by? But when you're walking, God's going to say, stop. Don't take that job. It's going to cost you your family. Okay, God, I'll go here. Wait, stop. Don't marry that person. I know they look good, but there's some character issues in there. And God will direct your steps. If you're walking, you can hear him more clearly. And you'll be able to walk into purpose. But it goes against everything we feel. It goes against what your teacher told you. It goes against everything that society has built up. But I promise you, if we can find this pace, I believe there's, there's a life that we could only dream of and is found in following Jesus. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our TC app or our website at transformchurch.us give. And don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and live a transformed life.